0: The Real Life Church podcast. To learn more about Real Life Church, including our gathering times in Yuma, Arizona, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Bob Van Boyden. Hey, everybody, welcome to Real Life Church. This is Pastor Bob with you, and I'm glad you're listening. Now, due to the sickness and of our audiovisual guru, uh, we were not able to get anything up on line this week about our our messages, and so I wanted just to come back and do a couple audio podcasts. Uh, he is on the mend. Uh, we've been praying for him, and I'm glad that he's feeling much better today, um, but we want to give him a couple weeks to get his feet back up underneath him. And so we're just going to do a couple audio podcasts of what we talked about on Sunday. Now, I'm not going to be able to re-preach or re-teach everything that I did, but I do want to kind of keep you up to date, especially those of you that have been following along since about February, we started this book of James, and we've been looking at it basically verse by verse, you know, chapter by chapter, thought by thought, um, and, and, and examining ourselves. This is why I like the book of James. It's such a, a gut punch. It's such a test of where we're at in our walk with Christ, you know. Um, nobody's perfect nobody's actually matured that you don't need any more instruction and james gives us several different areas and we've looked at a lot of them and i'm not going to talk about those today but uh, we're going to talk about our passage in chapter five here in just a second but we're supposed to measure ourselves up with what god's word says and see where we're at in our maturity now realizing that none of us are perfect we should make an attempt, okay, to grow in our relationship with God. We're not supposed to stay the same. We're not supposed to go backwards. We're supposed to always be growing and maturing. And so James gives us, uh, again, a difficult area this morning. We've already talked about this in the book of James. It was several weeks ago, but we're going to talk about how we handle our riches. And a lot of people, you know, when I say that, right away they get turned off because they think I'll be talking about money. But uh, don't don't turn me off yet, okay? Because we're not really talking about money today. We're talking about something completely different. I know a lot of people, when we say, you know, money, they, they kind of tune out. Um, because none of us, probably listening to this podcast, would consider ourselves rich. Um, and we're probably not according to the people that you're thinking about today that are rich. No, I'm, I don't have the money of this person or that person, but I do want you to understand something. We all are rich comparatively to the rest of the world. Like when we go to the Dominican Republic and we're dealing with um, some of the people there, some of the Haitian people groups that we meet with, you know, they don't have electricity in their house or running water or bathrooms or, or stuff like that we just take for granted. And so a lot of the world, a lot of the world looks at our lifestyle, and no matter how much money you have in the bank account, they consider us to be rich, and I, I would agree with them. We have so much more than a lot of our world. It's, it's amazing to me, and uh, you know, I've, and just on a side note, I've always questioned why I have been so blessed to be where I am and to grow up the way I grew up. I'm um, taking so many things for granted um, that the rest of the world still struggles with on a day by day basis. Well, so anyway, just to kind of get this whole idea of how we handle our riches, there you know, there was a group of people that met in nineteen twenty-three. Uh, you've probably read about this in your history book. Um, they met at the Edgewater uh, Beach Hotel in Chicago, and when they met, uh it was the powerful people in the world at that time. One of them was the Largest independent steel company. Um, One of them was the greatest wheat speculator in the world. The president of the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, we're talking about some important people. Um, A member of the president's cabinet. Um, The greatest bear in all of Wall Street. Uh, The president of the Bank of International Settlements. And, And again, one of the heads of the greatest monopolies in the world at that time. It says, collectively, that group of people, okay, had more money than the United States Treasury, okay? Um, that's a lot, by the way. They had more money than the United States Treasury, and I was thinking about that whole idea, and I asked the church on Sunday, how many of us would like just a little bit more? And, and I'll raise my hand, okay? I know you can't see that, but I, already, I, I would love a little bit more. Um, If I had a little bit more, I could do this, or I could do that, or I'd be more comfortable here. But here's the issue. If you were to talk to these tycoons, that was their whole life purpose is to have a little more. To have a little more. To have a little more. And it's interesting that every time, and even today, if you had a little bit more, now be honest with you, if you had a little bit more, you would still want a little bit more. It's interesting if you look at those people that I mentioned about 27 years later, about 1950 or so, and you were to examine their lives. You might recognize some of these names. Charles Schwab, okay? He was the president of the largest steel company. And I don't know whether you know this, but in the last five years of his life, he lived penniless. Now, back in 1923, he was one of the richest men in the world. And a few years later in 1927, um, he was one of the, well, he died penniless. Where did it all go? Um, Arthur Cooten, the greatest wheat speculator, he died overseas bankrupt. Interesting, right? Richard Whitney, the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Well, in the 1950s, he was released from jail because of financial crimes. Albert Fall, the member of the president's own cabinet. well. He was released from prison so he could go home and die. Jesse Livermore, the greatest bearer in all of Wall Street, he well he committed suicide. Leon Fraser, the president of the Bank of International Settlement, well he committed suicide. Ivan Kruger, um, the head of the world's greatest monopoly, he committed suicide. So all these guys that had all this money, um never learned how to live with their riches. And that's exactly what James is talking about in these first um, six verses in chapter five. So let me read them to you, um, and then I'll just make a couple comments, and I I would like to spend the rest of our time talking about what this means to us today. All right, James chapter five, um, verses one through six. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted your garments and have become moth-eaten. I'm going to stop there for a second. I can't believe who I'm reading right now. It sounds like I'm reading some Old Testament prophet um, who is about to pronounce some type of doom and gloom over some city because they had disobeyed God or maybe worshipped false idols. It's hard to believe that we're actually reading the words that the half-brother of Jesus wrote. I mean... These are strong words. Come now, you rich! Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted your garments and have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields for which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. I mean, when you read those verses, first of all, who is James writing this passage to? I mean, it's important to know what the Bible says, but I mean, who is he writing this to? And, you know, I'm going to tell you straight up that I think that he's writing this to um, without a doubt, he's writing this to Christians. He's writing this passage to believers. But who is he writing it about? The rich. And Now, a lot of people have a lot of speculation about, are these Christian rich people? Or are these non-Christian rich people? And I, I think we're missing the bigger point here. He's writing this about people who are rich, and I think what he's trying to get people to understand in this passage is that, first of all, riches and gold and and clothing and, and stuff, first of all, it's all temporary. Um, and uh, by the way, uh, I think we all know that already, that again, we as a society fight for a little bit more and a little bit more, and we want a little bit more. But we have to realize that whatever riches you have are very much temporary. And they're, again, something that, again, moths will eat, okay, and rust will destroy. And we have to keep our eyes on that only being temporary. The bigger issue that I see here, okay, is how these rich people made their money. It appears in this passage that they were making the money off the backs of other people by not paying them um, for services that were rendered or paying them some paltry sum of cash uh, for an enormous amount of work. That's a problem, um, that these rich people were taking advantage and they were living a life of luxury, okay, and not paying um, people that did the work for them. Um, in verse 5, it goes on to say, You have lived luxuriously on this earth, and you've led a life of wanton pleasure. You flaunted it in front of everybody. You've fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter, and you have condemned and put to death the righteous man, and he does not resist you. So when I read this passage, I have to ask myself, who is he and what is he writing this passage for? Maybe he is addressing some of us that are Christians that are rich, reminding us over and over that money cannot be, and possessions cannot be, and stuff cannot be your heart's desire. I mean, it was Jesus, okay, that did say a couple things. He said, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. At the same time, Jesus also said words like, "Um, you can't have two masters. And that's why I think that, you know, maybe the rich people in this passage were unbelievers. I hope they were unbelievers. I, I I. I mean it makes it a whole lot easier if they're unbelievers because we should never as Christians make money and stuff the highlight or the the purpose of our life. And yet so many of us do. Uh we compete, we work hard, we want more uh stuff and 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 we need to be reminded constantly, constantly that what we're working for is not stuff and money and possessions, okay? And let me just say this also because it's so important. You know, James is not talking about um having more or having nice things. Uh he does give us a caution about living luxuriously and 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 having those wanton pleasures. I think we have to measure all of that, especially as Christians. Um and, and more importantly, what he is saying to those of us that have a lot, that if you have a lot, make sure how you use it and how you obtain it is above board. That you're not getting it based uh, on some illegal activity. You're not taking advantage of someone else so you can have more while you're robbing someone else of, uh, again, what God wants them to have. So as I look at this passage, and you know, just to kind of make sure that we understand it. But how do you and I, at this point, kind of put this whole thing into perspective? And and most importantly, how do we use this today? And I want to remind you that, you know, my point on Sunday was that we need to be careful about wealth because it's a dangerous trap. Uh, we need to be careful that everything that we have um, If it's coming from a bad way of getting it or obtaining it, um, we need to be careful and 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 to remind ourselves over and over that possessions that we have are temporary. And I was thinking about this. You know, uh, this is so important that there are you you know there are several groups of people that that you know we talk about in the Bible that even live today. There are rich. People okay um, that have lots of resources and are rich spiritually uh, and I, I think about people like Abraham, they had a lot of money and they had a lot of possessions and people like Job, and yet they honored God with the way that they lived their life and then there's the the people that are you know that are poor um, physically, they don't have a lot and are rich spiritually. And, and and that's maybe even what you would consider yourself today. Maybe you, even though we talk about how rich we are, but you just you're fighting for every nickel, um, you're living paycheck to paycheck. You're kind of struggling to get by. You're just, you know, inflation is up and everything costs more and, and you're 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 not making a whole lot. Let me just remind you of something that's so important. Maybe you don't have a lot today. Don't forget how rich you are in Christ. That God says he's got your back. That you have an eternity with him coming up. And if life is a struggle today, okay? Well, I love verse 7, and we'll get there next week, but be patient, okay? God's got your back. God's coming back for you. And and by the way, um, if this life is a struggle, and, I, and I'm i not trying to demean anybody or talk down to anybody, but if life is a struggle today and it's just a, a, a hard to get through one day, let me tell you something, you're really going to enjoy eternity. And I think one day in heaven, you'll forget about the struggle it was here, because that's how rich you are in Christ Jesus. Now, I really think this passage is dealing with those that are rich physically, but are poor spiritually. In other words, they have a lot of earthly wealth and a lot of possessions, but they don't know Jesus. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you something, that's a, that's a huge warning all by itself. Uh, and that's why I say always um, that it's a trap. Money and possessions are a trap. And I, I have to tell you this because you can have a lot today. I mean, you can have the nicest stuff. You can have the biggest bank accounts. You can have the greatest retirement. You can have all the toys. And if you don't know Jesus, man, I'm going to tell you, uh, that's uh, that's that's not where you want to be. And, you know, I, I, I said on Sunday that, you know, for some people, uh, the, having all the stuff today and having all that, it, this is their heaven. This is as good as it's going to get, okay, without knowing Jesus. And um, as much as I certainly believe that people go to heaven, I do believe also that people without Christ do go to hell. And that if everything is all about money today, enjoy it because you won't have it forever. Um, and better is one who has Jesus And has nothing than someone who has a lot in this world and doesn't know him. I was thinking about this also, and I I was talking about this. We got to be careful also in this whole manner as well is, you know, not only do we need to be careful about money being a trap, but we also need to be careful how we obtain it and how we use it. And I got into the whole idea is obviously this guy in this passage that James is writing about must have qualified in what we would call being a hoarder all right? He he collected a lot of different things and had a lot of different possessions and used it to live a luxurious lifestyle. Uh, make sure um, that that's not what people would say about you or I. I'm not saying you can't have a lot of money, and I'm not saying you can't have a lot of possessions, but let's be careful about how we present that in front of people. Um, we want to be careful about hoarding, and I was, I, I was joking. Uh, I don't know how it went over, but um, I think people got it up This really just goes to people's hearts, you know, in the middle of this pandemic or in the beginning of this pandemic, I've never seen such a run on toilet paper in my whole life. Now, if I'm talking to you and you're one of them, I apologize. But man, I mean, people were buying toilet paper like it was gold, okay? And they bought more toilet paper. I am positive that they bought more toilet paper than they actually are still using that from when they bought it and they're still using it today. You might be a hoarder. Okay, if that's your mindset, taking more than you need so others who have that need don't have that available to them. There's something wrong with that. Okay. We shouldn't be hoarders and we should again make sure that we're really careful about how we live with our riches and the last thing I said is that we need to be ge- we need to really be careful, okay? Be careful uh, about being a good steward and being faithful to God with whatever riches we have now um we've talked about that in the past and it was you know uh, i think luke chapter 16 where jesus is in a parable and he's talking about you know being faithful with the little things um maybe you remember that parable but i wonder how many of us realize what little things he was talking about The little things he was talking about in Luke chapter 16 was actually money. He was talking about money. We have to be faithful with the little things. Isn't it amazing that in God's economy that he calls money a small thing? That if we can't learn as Christians to be faithful with the small things in life, he goes on to say, how can I trust you with the bigger things, the more important things? The more important things like the kingdom thing. And and so I thought that that was a really good challenge for us to remember um, that if we can't learn to be faithful with whatever possessions and whatever things we have, then God can't trust us, okay, with, with the bigger things. And so that was my prayer. That's my prayer for you today um, as a reminder. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back um, later on, and we're going to talk about verses 7 through 9. Um, That's where we're going to be when we get to church on the 23rd. Um, Still, it's going to be an audio podcast, and um, I'm glad you'll be listening um, just so we can stay up in context. And then hopefully, if everything goes right, we'll be back up with our videos on the 30th um, to be able to give you a better idea, at least be able to see each other um, And as we kind of walk through the rest of this book in James. So really glad you were with us today. Let me pray for you. And then I hope that you have a great day, God. This is a challenging passage. This is a tough passage for us to be able to look at, because there is strong warning in there, um, God. For those of us that are rich, and Lord, I would consider myself to be one, and I know that most of our listeners today uh, would have to consider themselves rich comparatively to the rest of the world. So this passage is about us and. Uh, God, I pray that we would uh, remind ourselves over and over that we're not to be collecting up riches for this world. Um, Everything, Father, is temporary. Everything is going to be moth-eaten. And Lord, I pray that we would remember that we're to be kingdom-purposed. And God, uh, for those of us that are basing our riches on uh, maybe having people work for us, or um, God, having... Uh, people come to our homes to do something, God, I pray that we would take care of them in a way that, again, um, honors you and that we're not getting rich based on somebody else's work um, for us. And so, uh, Lord, remind us also, you know, to be good stewards and to be careful about wealth. It is a uh, it is addressed so much in your word because it is so tempting for us to get um, trapped um, and by it and again find ourselves disobedient to to again what you want us to be with our uh, our wealth so god i pray um that you'll um use this message to encourage us and to challenge us and and to uh be again more christ-like in everything that we do and it is in jesus name we pray amen all right guys god bless you and i will see you back for another audio podcast later on this week if you were encouraged by today's talk be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com or download the Real Life Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Real Life Church podcast.